Hello, and welcome to the Unique CPA with your host, Randy Crabtree. We're committed to creating a thriving community of accounting professionals who are physically and mentally healthy, fulfilled, and energized by their work. Our ultimate goal is to elevate the reputation of the accounting profession and vastly improve the lives of those in it. The Unique CPA is brought to you by Trimerit, the specialty tax professionals. Today, our guest is Jonathan McGuire. Jonathan is a partner, newly appointed partner at Aldridge CPAs and Advisors out of Oregon, but all what? All up, up and down the West Coast, right, Jonathan? Absolutely. Okay, so Jonathan's a new one of the two newest partners at Aldridge. Uh, he heads up the real estate niche. Uh, he's had a deep focus in that, working with real estate, working with partnerships. Uh, he also uh, specializes in uh, repair regs and opportunity zones. Opportunity zones is what we're going to talk about today. I've heard of opportunity zones for quite a while. I can't tell you much about opportunity zones. Uh, I got a feeling I'm not the only one. So Jonathan's going to educate us today. And he can do that because by Opportunity Zone Magazine, he was uh, uh, named one of the top 25 Opportunity Zone tech specialists. So Jonathan, welcome to the Unique CPA. Well, thank you for having me, Randy. Pleasure to be here. All right. So you and I got introduced by Alex Bray and Alex uh, used to work with us and then you guys stole them from, and I mean, then he went <laughs> to work with you guys. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, he was your co, I guess, class of partnerships. It was you and he that got uh, uh, officially named partners, I'm assuming January 1st this yep. year. Yep. As a one, one, he and I are, are the official new guys. So, yeah. And, and, uh, and Alex introduced me to you and, and, and thought you'd be a good guest. And, and I reached out and I agreed with him. So don't let me down now. I'm counting. <laughs> You're not going to let me down. I know he, that. He speaks very highly. So, so. <laughs> <laughs> all right. You'll, you'll be able to live up yeah. to it. So, all right. So I tease the fact that opportunity zones again, I, I can't even tell you when opportunity zones were defined. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, in my mind, the Tax Cut and Jobs Act did something to them, but I don't know if I'm right or wrong on that. Um, so why don't you why don't you just give us a little uh, your definition of I know that's probably a huge question, but of opportunity zones and and when they came about? Yeah, so I'll kind of give you a little legislative history here on it. Yep. It, it was passed as part of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. So prior to that, it did not exist. It was something that was brand new at the at the end of 2017. Okay. However, the legislation for this was originally kind of conceived and started to go through its drafting and figuring out how this may or may not work in around, I think it was 2014, 2015, by uh, economic think tank that was head up by uh, Sean Parker, the guy that was with Facebook and Napster. Okay. And so from that, so it originated in the Obama administration. And so even though it's part of the Trump tax cut, this was one thing in that tax cut and jobs act that had total bipartisan support. Wow. But eventually it was passed. And so there's three main tax benefits in this. And so the first is a temporary deferral of capital gains and that that deferral goes until 2026. Okay, so let me ask stop you there for a yeah. second cuz I was trying to read up a little bit. So the temporary deferral on capital gains mm -hmm. this portion of it 
Is this the capital gains from investments in opportunity zones, or can you defer other gains into investments into opportunity zones? It, or it, it would be deferring gains outside of an opportunity zone into an opportunity zone investment. And any gains? I just sold some IBM stock and I had a big gain. Can stock, I take that and put it in? Yeah, stock, bonds, real estate, you know, the sale of intangible property, it, anything that has capital gains, tax treatment, exception, qualified dividends. It's they're taxed as such, but right. Anything short term or long term, you know, pieces of artwork, all of that qualifies for this. Okay. So I can take that gain and I can defer it by putting it into an opportunity zone investment. Okay. Mm -hmm. I cut you off. You were saying there's three aspects then. Yep. So that's the first one. It's a deferral until 2026. The second benefit, which as of now, no longer has any, uh, any benefit for anybody new getting into an opportunity zone. Originally, there was a 10% basis step up in your uh, capital gain that you're deferring. If you hold that investment for five years, prior to the end of 2026. Okay, which you can't do any longer. Yeah, you can't do it any yep. longer. Part two to that one is uh, if you held it for seven years, you'd get an additional 5% based a step up. Step up, okay. Yeah, so for people that got into this early in 2018 and 2019, come into 2026, they're paying 85 cents on the dollar on their capital gains tax when that temporary deferral period ends. Got it. So got that, it. So that's part two. That's part two. So no longer a benefit for a lot of people trying to get into this, but the third benefit, and this is why opportunity zones exist is after a 10 year holding period in your opportunity fund investment, a hundred percent of your capital gains realized in that fund or uh, by sale of the fund itself a hundred percent of it is tax-free. And that's the gain that you deferred into it and any additional gain that came out of it? No, it's just the just the appreciation. So that that temporary deferral period that you have until 2026, yep. that capital gain comes due. And so you, you pay the tax on on your original capital gain for the privilege of having the appreciation on this investment that you have now to be tax-free after you hold it for 10 years. Now, is there a sunset on this at all, or that 10-year deferral is there that this is permanent part of the tax code? So the, there is a sunset on it. And so you have to have a capital gain to invest into a fund by the end of 2026. So that's the that's the latest you can get into the program is by having a gain that's real realized in uh, 2026. Okay. And then to get the big benefit of tax-free capital gains on the back end, you need to exit the fund or the investment by the end of 2047. So there's a big runway. Okay. So it's not once the 10-year investment's done, you need to get out, you can keep it in there. It's another potential 20 plus years yep. after that initial investment. Okay. All right. So, so the whole benefit of this from an investor standpoint is the tax, the tax, whatever, step up, which no longer exists, but the original step up in basis. And then the deferral of gain, which I get through 26. And in addition, the no gain, there's no tax on any gain that came out of the fund. Uh, am I, do I sound educated now? Yep. 
yep, that's the, the, those are the three main benefits that everybody's looking at and taking advantage of to make these happen. So, so now besides then this tax incentive for people to put money in, there's obviously another economic or just, you know, incentive that the, the reason that these funds were set up in the first place, uh, I'm assuming opportunity zone has certain definitions that you meet certain requirements to be able to put the money in. And it's, I'm assuming in areas that need investments that are maybe underserved. What is the, how, how does the opportunity zone get defined, I guess? Yeah. So when the tax cuts and jobs act was passed, the first section of the code associated with this said, hey, governors of all 50 states and Puerto Rico, you know, nominate about 25% or give or take of your low income housing zones, your census tracts that are designated low income. About 25% of those are going to be designated as opportunity zones. But you, governor, you get to select these and designate them as such. And so it, it wasn't anything that was done by any house or Senate in whatever state or Commonwealth. It was r- really up to the executive branch of all the states. And so whoever's in power got to pick and choose what they wanted to do. Being in Oregon, somehow the entire downtown core of Portland pre-2020 uh, ended up getting pulled into this and it's still low income, but the quality of the properties and such that are in there, it's a, it's a little head scratching, but it's it still makes sense because it was based off of the 2010 census data. Okay. That was where things were ended up being designated from and how the zones were identified. So, so each state's governor or executive branch got to decide sounds like there's a there could be some some <laughs> has there been any issues with people challenging what zones were put into this uh at the end of the day not really because i i don't think a lot of a, a lot of people really knew what this was until the zones were actually designated by the governors yep. because prior to that i mean th- this was at the back of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act when it was passed. I remember, I mean, there was a lot of changes going on. And because of what this was and what the code section number was, it was like, oh, this is some one-off thing that some special interest group is going to qualify for. Until everybody started designating zones and then everybody comes out of the woodwork and like, what is this? And it was like, oh crap, this is the biggest tax giveaway ever created. So <laughs> all right. So good to hear that there's no <laughs> maybe fraud in how these uh, zones were identified. Unfortunately, there seems to be fraud going on with some tax things right now, which I won't get into, but <laughs> um but the interesting thing that when you and I talked a month ago or a few weeks ago is that I didn't realize I thought it was just me taking my gain and going investing in some property. But this is a fun thing. People are putting the funds together for me to invest in. I don't have to go identify this property myself. Is that how all of it's done or can I still identify my own property as well? Yeah. So in order to take advantage of the Opportunity Zone program, you have to make an investment into what's called a qualified opportunity fund. And this fund is either a corporation or a partnership for tax purposes that is set up and makes an election, files a form that says, hey, I wish to be a fund. I want to you know, be subject to all these testing requirements 
to make sure I adhere to the opportunity zone program so that my ownership group can take advantage of the, the tax break long-term. And so this fund can be mom and pop getting together to start their own little investment thing that they want to do. So, I mean, which for me, that's the bulk of the funds that I work with is something that's closely held individuals or business partners getting together to develop something or a property or a startup business for themselves. Or you could have institutional syndicated funds with hundreds of investors in these, in these LLC partnerships and uh, b- both structures work. Um, you could also do it through a corporation, but being in the real estate space, I, you know, you don't put real estate in a corp. So uh, you, you end up seeing a lot more partnership stuff. So, all right. So that you said it could be the, the, whatever the mama pop, the, you putting together your own fund. Is that something you help with then you set up these funds and obviously prepare the taxes and uh, yeah. you know, figure out all that. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll work with the, with the attorney, they'll set up the actual entity, but uh, because of some of the IRS instructions and um, other aspects, I always like to be on, on the ground floor on that initial setup to make sure that the operating agreement has certain language in there that everybody's agreeing to, hey, this is going to be a fund on the front end. That way, not to poison pill anything, but to make sure everybody is aware that we're in this for 10 years. Yeah. or beyond because you you want to avoid having people coming in and out because that can blow blow up some of the deals for for individuals so so when you have this fund then whether it's set up yourself or syndicated is the fund investing just in like the land i mean what if there's a building on there that's operating as a rental property how is that a separate entity then yeah so so in the fund the fund can invest in one of three things. It can invest directly into property. So the fund can be the holder of property uh, so long as it's in a zone. The other ways is to invest directly into what's called a qualified opportunity zone business that is set up as a corporation or a qualified opportunity zone business that is set up as a partnership. Those are the three investment vehicles that you can take advantage of. In most cases, you don't see a fund having a direct hold in property. Early on, you did because the regs weren't out. They weren't finalized. There's a lot of gray area. But really what you see now is a tiered entity structure where you have the fund. The fund invests into the qualified opportunity zone business. And then that business entity either owns the property or owns the new business that is going to be used to be uh, uh, qualified for the Opportunity Zone tax program. Okay. So you're not really passing through, and I was going to ask what would happen to that, passing through any you know operating profit or loss from a rental property or anything like that. That is separate from the Opportunity Zone then? Yeah, I think so. But based upon how I was understanding that, because that fund, you're going to make that investment like into a Let's say it's a partnership that's investing into another partnership. So if it is a tiered entity structure, K1 goes from QOZB, Opportunity Zone Business, QOZB, up to the QOF, Opportunity Fund, and then the fund would spit out K1s to the investors. So there is, there is operations there that would, the, 
uh, on an annual basis that would flow out to the individual owners. Yeah. And that's taxable then? Yeah. That, that part of it is taxable then? Yeah. The, the normal operations are taxable. So it's, it's, it's going to work just like any traditional, you know, me being in real estate, any traditional real estate investment where you put money in, you get income or expense allocations over X years that you're in this, you eventually sell out the property and, or 1031 into something else, but eventually you're exiting, realizing a gain. Really the opportunity zone is just an overlay on all the pre-existing tax law. Got it. All right. So great. So now we've invested in this QOZB, Qualified Opportunity Zone business. Yep. All right. I think that's right. Um, and so now what are the requirements and what can that QOZB do? Yeah. So for, for the QOZB, and I'll, I'll start on it from a real estate perspective, because that's the easiest way to uh, explain it, is that you have to either buy what's called original use or do a substantial improvement to property inside of a zone. Hmm. And so for original use, this is going to be, uh, again, from a real estate perspective, you buy raw land, land by itself is going to always qualify as original use. So that's no problem. Or you're buying a brand spanking new building that's been constructed and never been put into uh, service anywhere. So if you're, if you're buying the raw land, you build something, that asset's going to qualify, you're good to go. Uh, if you uh, buy a brand spanking new building that somebody else constructed, that asset's going to qualify. You're in good shape. Okay. So that that's original use. Substantial improvement is where a lot of uh, opportunity zone uh, projects are are moving, and that's you know taking a pre-existing structure and doing a massive renovation to it. And so what the substantial improvement requires is for the portion of the property that you acquire that is allocable to the building. So if I buy a, a property for a million bucks, let's say it's split 70-30 between land and building, 70% of that asset would be the building basis. I am then required to make an investment into that property to double its basis via improvements. So if mm. it's 700000 I need to make an additional 700,000 of improvements. Oh, wow. All right. All right. And so this is the incentive to mm-hmm. increase the, what's going on in those properties. All right. All right. That's cool. Oh yeah. It, it, really it, the intent is to redevelop those, these so-called dilapidated areas inside of the zones that need investment to attract new business, new growth, you know, revitalize the community and create economic progress there. So, yeah, I, uh, maybe not everybody agrees, but so tax code has more uh, behind it than just generating revenue for the government. Uh, there's incentives that are supposed mm-hmm. to help elsewhere. And mm-hmm. there was a proposal apparently to get rid of the IRS and income tax. And I just don't see how that's uh, the best option uh, for us out there. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll make a little commentary there too. And that's uh you know, the reason why the tax code is so big, let's define income. Or if we want to eliminate the IRS and abolish the income tax and replace it with the use tax that or whatever they're saying is, well, define use. So, and all of a sudden you've got to buy, uh, you know, massive Bible of, of documents. Yeah. So, 
I don't think it's going to change. It's just going to change the way we uh, have to report the taxes now. <laughs> I don't think it's going to happen anyways. I think it's more of a publicity <laughs> stunt. I, I, maybe I shouldn't be doing my views on here. Um, but, uh, but that, that, I mean, that's, I just don't see how the IRS could get abolished. I don't. I mean, it's just not going to happen. All right. A couple more questions that pop into my head when we're talking about the, uh, the opportunity zones. And this is just because I'm, I figure most people are in the same boat as me. If they're a lot more educated on this than me, great. But how about timing of the investment? Is there, I mean, hey, I just, I had a capital gain two years ago. Can I now say, hey, I want to go back and take this gain and put it into an opportunity zone? Or when do I have to do this by? Yeah, so there is a timing restriction. And that is um, you have 180 days from your capital gain event to make an investment into a fund. And so... If that 180 days sounds familiar, it, it kind of echoes towards the like kind 1031 exchange. Mm-hmm. You know, tax code is borrowed from all other tax code because it's easier that way. It's relatable. It's easier to remember. But um, yeah, you, you've got 180 days and there's some variations upon when that 180 days can start. But for our purposes, I, I, I won't go into that t- today, but Generally speaking, you sell stock on day one. You've got 180 days from there uh, to make a qualified investment. But no requirement to identify it before you right. sell the property. Right. Yeah. The, the, okay. There's no 45 day requirement. You can touch this cash. Okay. And you're only you only need to reinvest the gain. Whereas with the 1031 exchange, you're investing the fair market value. Okay. So it does give you a chance to realize some cash today by holding on to that basis or that original investment that you made on what you sold. So yep. it's it's a nice alternative. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I feel a lot more educated on opportunity zones now. Anything that we we, we missed on opportunity zones that you want to highlight before we wrap up? Yeah. The, the only one other thing, or I, I've got two things that I would want to uh, quickly talk about. Yep. And the first is for a fund, the fund has a 90% investment standard that says 90% of the assets inside of the fund need to be invested in a qualified opportunity zone business or in opportunity zone property. So that's one thing there that is very important. If you fall below that, there is a penalty that's associated with this to maintain your opportunity zone fund tax status, which can get quite expensive. So it's important that you're working to achieve that 90% investment test from day one. The second part to that investment standard test is the opportunity zone business itself has a slightly different test, but it says that 70% of the property that is owned inside of it needs to be eligible property. So having that original use or substantial improvement requirement. All right. Well, it sounds very much like uh, what we do with specialty tax. Mm -hmm. You know, it's very specialized. You're the expert in that. I think we're probably what we need to do is um, hire you to come work with us (laughs) because I think this fits in well with what we're doing. (laughs) Don't. (laughs) 
<laughs> Don't tell anybody at Aldridge I said that. <laughs> tell them not to listen to this podcast. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, uh, John, don't, uh, if you listen to this podcast, I'm only kidding. <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm not going anywhere right now. We're, we're hard enough to get, get to this point being a partner. So, <laughs> Yeah. Well, John, your managing partner, I, I feel I'm good friends with him, and so he'll know I'm kidding. He, he's a yeah. great guy. I, I always like talking to him. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, so... Then many. I'm gonna. Have, I got two other things to ask you, uh, not related to opportunity zones. So just want to make sure you were able to say everything you wanted to on opportunity zones here, or you want to put a bow on top of the opportunity zones. The only thing I can say is, if you're doing one of these and it's going to be real property investment, get that cost segregation study now, because on the back end when you get that tax-free capital gains, it's the mechanism is a step up in basis to the fair market value at the date of sale. So you get to realize all of that depreciation today and tomorrow and not have to recapture any of it. So right. that's the, There's that's the additional beauty. benefits. Yes. All right. And then, so the, my fi two final questions, the last one will be uh, uh, contact information. But before that, um, I'd like to ask everybody, get to know them better besides doing opportunity zones and being a, a CPA and a partner in a large firm. What, what's your passions outside of work? What do you enjoy doing? Uh, number one, being with my family. Uh, that's, I, I've got uh, three kids, six, three, and one at home. So a little busy. Yep. Uh, main hobby is golf. Played it in, in college, played it in high school. It's been a long, long, lifelong passion for me. So nice. I mean, I'm going to have to come out there so you can teach me some things. I'm golfing in two <laughs> days and I know I'm not going to be good. So, um, but I know that that's the positive. I know going in, I won't, it, it, man, it, I haven't golfed. I golfed, I did golf maybe twice this year, which is like a record in the last five years, I think. So this will be interesting. Yeah. All right. Anybody that has kids that are high school or younger, that is always their answer. So you, you, you fall in the kids are, which understandable, you're pretty busy, especially with six, would you say six, three and one or six, two and one yep. or what were yep. the ages? Yeah. Yeah. Six, six yep. three and one, two rambunctious boys. Older girl, so older girl, so not rambunctious. Uh, it's the boys that uh, it's uh, yeah, they they're that they're at each other's throats already, and at one and three. All so right. we'll see how how that goes. <laughs> All right, and then the final question: Then, if people want to find out more about you and Opportunity Zones, and if they want to reach out to you with any additional information, how would they get a hold of you? Yeah, so to get a hold of me, you can uh, email me. My email is jmcguire at aldrichadvisors.com. Uh, you can also reach out through our website. It's uh, aldrichadvisors.com um, and find my profile on there and click the button, send me a message. And uh, I think my, or the phone number's on there too. I don't have that memorized for some reason. All right. Well, great. And and uh, and, and actually, I just called that phone number recently, so I had it on my phone, <laughs> but uh, I think it is on your website. And uh, Jonathan, I really appreciate you educating me and, and others on Opportunity Zones because I think it is a great opportunity uh, tool to use. And I honestly don't think it's, it's as well known or as well understood as it should be. Maybe that's just me, but I appreciate you doing this today. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us today on The Unique CPA. You can find the show notes for today's episode and learn more about Trimerit at theuniquecpa.com. 
remember to subscribe and leave a five-star rating on your favorite podcasting app. And join us next time for more expertise and insights on The Unique CPA. Professionalproductions.net